Thanks for spending time with us on this Friday. First was the Obama administration's vaunted pivot to Asia. Then President Trump pledged to get out of endless wars in the Middle East. President Biden has now tried to follow suit and radically reduce America's military footprint there. When does it end? Analysis from Ben Wolfgang, Pentagon reporter at The Washington Times. Ben, take us through the past three administrations. Well, it's an amazing thing, and it's sort of deja vu. And I feel you and I have been talking about this for years, U.S. troop presence in the Middle East. And it's amazing when you look from Obama to Trump to Biden, just how different those political figures are, especially, you know, Trump and, and just, you know, doesn't agree on a whole lot of things with Obama or with Biden. But one thing they, they've all had in common is, you know, in the aftermath of, of the Iraq war, the Afghanistan invasion, there was a desire, and there has been for, for well over a decade now, a successive administration to get the U.S., a, a smaller footprint in the Middle East to redirect those resources, mostly to the Pacific, to deal with China. And it's it's amazing that it, it, it's consistently failed over a period of now 10 to 12 years. And there's a number of different reasons why, in the case of, of the Obama administration, it was the rise of ISIS that we had, you know, a, a decade ago, where you had essentially a quasi-army controlling a, a small country-sized space across Iraq and Syria. Obama didn't want to commit U.S. troops. There was a lot of hand-wringing inside the Obama administration. I was at the White House when, when U.S. forces committed to, to strikes in Syria. They didn't want to do it, but they felt like they had no choice because ISIS was literally out of control at that time. So that, that pulled us back in. We still have troops in Syria and Iraq today that are fighting against ISIS. Yeah. And then with Trump and Biden, what you've seen is, is they've both gotten pulled back in for different reasons, but similar reasons when you really dig down into it. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's Iran, Gordon. When you, when you talk about... Trump getting drawn back in, let's not forget, there were more troops in the Middle East when Trump left office than when he started. And that's the exact opposite of what he promised throughout his campaign. But the reason that that happened is because you had these militias, these Shiite militias in Iraq and Syria targeting U.S. troops um, and Trump surged assets to the region, to Saudi Arabia, to Bahrain, to other U.S. outposts in the region. Fast forward to today, what do we see? Biden's battling those same Shiite militias. He's also battling now Houthi rebels in Yemen. So the footprint's getting bigger. I mean, maybe you, if you, you know, want to play semantics with this, you know, there's fewer troops here, there's fewer troops there. We have withdrawn from Afghanistan, which we, we shouldn't forget to mention that. But the U.S. military activity footprint, however you want to call it, is really as strong or perhaps even stronger, bigger today than it was 10, 12 years ago when Obama first said it's time to get out. Wow. And that's really an amazing thing. Right. We're speaking with Ben Wolfgang, national security correspondent at The Washington Times. His piece is called No Way Out. Iran bogs down another U.S. president in Middle East morass. Is this another endless war with, with what's happening now, especially, I guess, with, with the Houthi rebels in Yemen? Boy, it sure seems that way. I mean, And we're in the early stages of it, and I don't think anybody, certainly, you know, Biden doesn't want another endless war. He, like Trump, campaigned against that, campaigned on getting out of endless wars, and did, in fact, withdraw the U.S. from Afghanistan. But we're we're sort of sleepwalking, uh, you know, slow motion, getting pulled into another situation in Yemen where what exactly is the end game here? What is the metric for success? We've been bombing these sites, the U.S. and, Brit and the British, for the past two weeks. Again, on almost every day, they're hitting new Houthi sites, but the Houthis keep firing missiles at commercial ships in the Red Sea and other waterways in that region. And so they're, they still have capabilities. So we obviously haven't been able to degrade them to the point that they're not uh, you know, able to wreak havoc 
I mean, we've, we've even had to relabel the Houthis as a terrorist group right after we kind of we, we took that label off for a bit. That's right. That's right. That was uh, one of the first things the Biden administration did. I believe it was on day two, January 21st of 2021. They took the Houthis off of the uh, foreign terrorist organization list. They put them back on a specially designated terrorist list, which is a little bit different. There's some technical differences in terms of okay. you know what kind of aid can get into Yemen. But yes, at the end of the day, this, this cold reality kind of hit Biden in the face where all of a sudden, it's like, I know we don't want to do this. We don't want to get involved in Yemen. But for better or worse, there simply isn't another actor in the world today that's capable of projecting the kind of military you know, intelligence power around the world that's necessary to just bomb sites in Yemen on very little notice. We can do it. The Brits, with our help, are able to do it. And that's about it. So this idea that the U.S. shouldn't be the policeman of the world, I, I think everybody agrees with that in theory. But here we are again uh, out on patrol uh, in the Red Sea every day. Thanks, Ben. Ben Wolfgang, Pentagon reporter at The Washington Times. Mm-hmm.